0: You have now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust to listen to the
1: listening devices and
0: keep it locked.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming
1: in. Yeah, I just wanna win. L.A. B.B. running with? two, two, three, three. I'm on again.
2: Yeah,
1: Hello and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. I'm Ja, that's Troy. And today, as you can see, we have a special guest. Uh, goes by the name of Paul Turner. <laughs> uh, Paul is someone that grew up in the same area I did, Southern California. Um, I knew him as a young kid. He went to the same high school as my older sister. Um, and he was just always a figure around. But until I got to high school, when, when I got to high school, he became my track coach. Um, one of the first people to kind of introduce me to triple jump and, and really teach me a lot about it. And um, even though we didn't spend a ton of time together, we had a short uh, period of time. He became like a big brother to me. Uh, The big brother I always wanted. Uh, Sorry to my older sister, but I did want an older brother. (laughs) Um, And so uh, without further ado, man, that's Paul Turner. He now lives in Austin, Texas, raising a family. Um, And you're the director of the Boys and Girls Club out there, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: So yeah, great member of our community, man. We thought it'd be a great idea to have him on the show today. Um, Dad, any 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 extra introduction that Paul needs, man? I know I left something out.
2: Uh, no, Paul is just a, a great, great dude. You know, over the years, kind of helped mentor him uh, in some of the endeavors, giving advice, and he's always been very respectful, always positive, always enjoyed having conversations and reaching out to him and watching his evolution as a young man. Um, Going from high school to college, and now raising his own family, so it's really uh, encouraging, and it's a blessing to be able to have this conversation with them and uh, just chop it up. So uh, I'm excited.
1: Yeah. All any intro remarks? Are you ready to get into it? I mean,
0: uh, first of all, appreciate it. You know, uh, John, you left out the secret sauce part, man. You know, I did get the sauce with triple jump. Nah, man, to be honest though, I, I really appreciate y'all, y'all offering me this opportunity. Uh, you All all of y'all played a huge role in just who I am as a man today. So, man, it's an honor to be here. So I'm ready to get it going. Appreciate y'all. Cool.
1: All right. So to get us started today, I thought, I mean, one common ground we all share is we was collegiate athletes. Um, to, to run down just a, a small portion of Paul's accomplishments, he was a national champion in the long jump. Uh, national qualifier in the triple jump, probably countless school records and conference titles at University of Laverne where he graduated. Um, that's just a small little intro. I don't know all his accomplishments, but it's a long list of them. Um, and so, like he said, he in his words, he gave me the sauce in triple jump. I don't know if I go that far, but he did teach me a lot about the event, <laughs> a lot about the sport. One of my you know earliest coaches that kind of really helped me. Get started in this game, and I appreciate that. But we want to talk about your experience. I think me and my dad have talked at great length about our experiences as collegiate athletes. But in your own words, what was it like to be a collegiate athlete at the University of Laverne?
0: Yeah, it was. I yeah, mean, it was a little um, shell shock, you know what I mean, at first, um, because you know college really wasn't something that was in my you know purview or in my you know longitudinal goals up more goals until I want to say the end of my junior year, like competing in college. Mm. It wasn't until I got a call from Laverne. Uh, around the end of my junior year race you know they're asking about you know my measurements and, and how far I was jumping that I thought it was a reality so when I got to Laverne it was kind of like you know it was a lot different you know eating eating a certain diet waking up I mean you know this because you you know you know top-notch athletes and with you Mr. Strange uh, having to eat having to wake up at 5 in the morning hit the weight room making sure your schedule was kind of revolved around practice and track meets all that stuff kind of took some uh, getting used to but um, I think a lot of that stuff actually helped me a lot along the way in terms of like my life, being disciplined, uh, being a father and, and all other, other facets. So it was a shell shock at first, but I think it was, uh, it was awesome. And it, it taught me a lot.
2: Well, then, let me ask a, a quick follow-up question on that. What, what do you remember the most? What was your most memorable college experience as an athlete?
0: Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, my freshman year. Um, uh, I was ranked, I want to say, top three in triple jump in Division three, and like top five or something in long jump. And I uh, went to national, the national track meet. was in Ohio or some some you know small Christian school. And uh, you know a quarter of those rankings, I'm supposed to be all American as a freshman. And I just I wet the bed, man. I went out there, got <laughs> dead last long, dead last and triple, man. I was on that plane ride, quiet, quiet <laughs> corner, listening to Drake. I don't, I ain't know, what to do, uh, but honestly, that memory, man that motivated me because i was like you know what there's there's a either i'm gonna stay down this route you know kind of just you know I, I got top three you know i was sitting on you know my, my cloud nine i could stay on this route or i could keep trying to get it so i made a decision then on the, on the plane ride back that i'm gonna try to maximize and optimize my my time there as an athlete
2: a good start yeah.
1: it's funny you say that two things caught my eye in what you was just talking about i know i have one of those people that I wouldn't say I dwell on my failures, but they definitely use them as as fuel for motivation. And so the times that I fit, the times that I'm successful are cool, but I oftentimes just kind of push those to the side. It's when I is when I like you said, wet the bed, and I'm like, no, that that's where I can't I can't <laughs> go back to that. It's like uh, what is it Jordan that said? I like winning, but I hate losing more than I like winning. Right. Uh, and so that that's that's always stuck with me. But two, I remember you saying how what it didn't feel like a reality that you could be a collegiate athlete when you were in high school and stuff like that and I remember I remember the conversation we had very vividly my senior year where it was like you know I had a couple schools calling but you know none of the bigger names and all of that and I was like at a point where I was like well maybe I should just go be a student and you you told me like dude you you got a talent for this you could do this you could do this at the highest level you know what I mean I think you need to start looking at that as an option and I was like well, he he done been there, so I guess he may know something. <laughs> and I know my, my dad had told me that, but you know how it is, man. You don't you don't listen to him, man. It's gotta be <laughs> it's gotta be somebody outside of, you know, that that your household and, and so I, I really appreciated that, man. And here we are, man. I guess you manifested it for me.
0: Hey, no, nah, man, that's that was all you, brother. I mean, I remember those conversations too. And just so people know, the listeners know, this conversation was happening at five in the morning, uh, <laughs> on a on a on a conveyor belt for for a runway down the track. So, uh, I mean, I remember reaching out to ASU, Baylor, all these different schools, and they weren't getting back to me. Um, but I'm pretty sure they they wish they got back to to me now. You know <laughs> I mean? yeah. uh, and that's all you, man. You know what I'm saying? That's all you, brother. So I'm just happy to be part of that ride. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Speaking of that conveyor belt, I think. Uh, did my dad send you the videos of uh, the new track they got out there, man?
0: Uh, he didn't, man, but but Coach Lyons did. He oh, was really? Like, man, he was like, If a Jaw and Fasio had this, it would have been a problem. <laughs> he would have, I was like, I concur. <laughs> yeah. uh, man. man, that
1: thing looked beautiful. It was nice. That's a nice track. I think they need to name that little jump pit area after me, oh. but
2: <laughs>
1: that's another conversation I guess we'll have to have. <laughs> I want to jump over into our childhoods because once again, that's another thing we kind of all share in common is we grew up, I guess, in the same area. And I know you bounced around from Riverside down to the Valley and, you know, other places, but um, you know, for the most part, we all know what it's like to grow up in the Valley and to be, you know, a youth out there. Um, and once again, me and my dad, I've talked about those experiences tons, but what was it like for you being a, a kid in the Valley? I know you had a brother, two brothers and a sister, um, your mom, I know your family very well. And so, uh, just tell us what it was like to grow up with all your family and everything down there.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it, one thing I learned, I, I think uh, I still carry on to this day, is that um, in the valley, what the valley specifically and explicitly taught me was that family isn't just those that you know had to share the same blood type as you. Um, so going to First me Church, playing on the Jungle Gym with uh with uh my basically my cousins like Richard, uh, yeah. Jim James Lockhart. Shout out to y'all, Theo, <laughs> Cookie. You know what I'm saying, like. Uh, seeing Mr. Strange, you know, at our church and you know what I mean, if you was acting up at church, Miss Pope might grab you by your ear, uh, <laughs> Bob, you know what I'm saying, like that, they taught, that taught me at a young, young age that family isn't just the people that share your blood type, you know what I'm saying, so um, I still carry that with me, man, like I, even when I'm here dealing with my youth here at the Boys and Girls Club, you know what I mean, I try to develop that familial aspect and uh, I think that goes a long way in developing rapport and, and mentoring these youth. so uh, that right there is huge, man. I feel like it's something I took away, or taken away, and still use in every in my everyday dealings. You know
2: what I
1: mean? Yeah,
2: it, it's, you know, I, that's one of my takeaways from growing up in the desert, especially growing up on Nairobi, where everyone literally was my family over there. So yeah. you can walk <laughs> down the street and you was related to just about everybody. Even if you wasn't, you was related by a distant cousin, or uncle married to somebody, and so we were always we were all connected. And you couldn't get away with anything, you know. If you did something, you thought you got away with it. Yeah, wait till you got home. So everybody <laughs> saw you, and if they if they got a chance to put hands on you, they would. So, yeah. So uh, you're definitely right that um, it wouldn't didn't necessarily have to be the bloodline to be family, and, and that's one of the things you know I miss. You know, growing up in that in that in that way and having that community in, in which we did back in the day. So I can definitely concur with that. Yeah. Yeah, so I know.
0: I was gonna let my bad job. Uh I was gonna let you say that about getting snatched up. You know what I mean? Uh <laughs> I've been snatched up plenty of times by people that wouldn't blood, so I was to let you say <laughs> that. that's definitely true.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know for me, I mean it was weird growing up, like I don't know, I mean I guess it's the only experience I had. I didn't grow up anywhere else, but I remember just going out, we'd be anywhere, man, and Next thing I knew, my dad was talking to somebody and it was like, dude, how do you know them? Oh, that's your cousin. I'm like, man, we have never met this dude before. And it was just, I think it's cool. It's interesting to grow up in a small town like that because you get that feel of like everybody's kind of family around. And it takes a little bit of the, the nerve away of being out in public or being out because the likelihood is you're gonna run into somebody you know, and it's gonna start a conversation and you might make a friend out of it. You never know. Um, so that's that was always dope to me about growing up in the valley um, but one thing I think I've always found interesting about the valley and this is just something that I think we can all give an interesting perspective on is it's very small and so a lot of people get stuck and a lot of people don't necessarily dream bigger than you know leaving that place you know what I mean I, I call it the big dust Bowl and a lot of people just they they don't get out for whatever reason and I think mainly it's because they don't see much different so for you Paul growing up what what was your aspirations what did you look at and say that's that's what I'm dreaming for. That's what I'm dreaming about.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I kind of, I can agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, the, the fact that my mom was crazy and didn't like stay, stay in one place, Mr. Strange, no. <laughs> I love my mom. <laughs> wrong. Uh, That's my
2: girl. Like, Stacy. my girl, man. You can't talk bad about Stacy, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. Hey, she, tell you, she was here. She's like, yep. <laughs> but the like,
0: simple fact that she couldn't settle, man, like she always wanted to, to she always aspired and dreamed bigger than her her current situation that allowed me to dream big um i may not have actually knew where i was headed but i always knew that there was something bigger and better for me uh, one thing that i always wanted to do of course was produce music uh, my mom's always surrounded us with music uh you know what i mean timbaland was my favorite producer i, I remember her playing the a and b side of a cassette tape with uh you know what i mean magoo and, and missy elliott and them so uh that was my biggest aspiration. Uh, also, being a club kid, I always wanted to run my own club, you know, see my uncles and, and see Mr. Strange and others at the Boys and Girls Club. I always wanted to run my own club and some, and give back in some, some facet. So those were my biggest aspirations.
2: Oh, good stuff, good stuff, man. Yeah.
1: yeah, moving on, I mean, it's funny you brought up your uncles, man. And I know for you two guys, you know what I mean, not having your fathers in your lives, I'm just wondering who were those those father figures and those people around you that that really inspired you guys to do better, be better, and, and become something bigger than yourself? Um, I know, Paul, you mentioned your uncles, and I can imagine those are probably some of your biggest influences, but there probably is a, a
2: few more around as well. Uh, I
0: don't know. Mr. Strange, I don't know you want to take that one first.
2: Um, yeah, I, I'll take it. Largely for me, it was the club, and it was anybody who was probably anywhere from two or three years older than me, to 20 years older than me, so... <laughs> older cousins to uncles, uh, Dave Ison, Jim Ducat, you know, Quentin and Tony, Tony Regans, so a lot of people that, you know, were a few years older than me, I watched them, you know, they always looked out for me, made sure that, you know, I I wasn't uh, getting into anything and at the same time kept, you know, people from bothering me, you know, they would kind of try to push me around a little bit. But overall, they always kept uh, kept an eye on me and made sure I was good. So it was a mutual to the people and largely the club, the boys, the boys club, which it was at that time, the boys club, where you just kind of dealt with and interacted with so many different people. And it was just an interesting experience. I mean, from the Clarence Browns to uh, Pepe. I mean, we had some characters over there who, you know, they would... they. They helped me grow up. They helped me learn with, deal with people that I didn't always see things eye to eye uh, who I may not understood, and they were just different, but I understand how to navigate around a variety of people from all walks of life. And so that was very helpful for me. Uh, like I said, uncles and cousins, but you know the club was pretty instrumental in my development. Um, there wasn't one single man uh, that I would say, but it was a... a, a a team effort of men that came in, came into my life at different points and times when I needed them.
0: Well, uh, for me, I mean, it was like I had like this. uh I know y'all seen Black Panther, but it was like a council of, of black dudes that were just superhuman. Like, yeah, <laughs> strange. Who went off to college, got his degree, and then went and got his master's. College athlete. that had Coach Thomas, who was my track coach. Then I had my uncles, both of them, went off to do fantastic things on Quint. Uncle Tone, shout out to them. And I had my Uncle John up at Riverside. You know, he was doing fantastic things. And then uh, they just were around. And Coach Gervin, you know what I'm saying, in high school, it's just like they kind of fell in my lap. I didn't do much. I just kind of went to Indio High School, and all these people kind of fell into my purview. And then they kind of guided me. They took it upon themselves to guide me, to mold me, to, to, you know, correct me when I was, you know, in the wrong. And it just, it worked out, man, like. So that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, sometimes, you know, family not being just those that share the same blood type as you. And uh, I saw that all throughout high school and then beyond that, too. You know what I'm saying? But I do have a question for you, Ja. Mm. Uh, we ain't talked in a minute. And I, and I <laughs> finally got your attention. Uh, you did ask about aspirations, man. What's your aspirations, yeah. brother? I mean, you you jump in. I mean, you can, I mean, we can go down the list of your, your accolades, what you've done from Sac State, I mean, all the way from Xavier to Sac State to Purdue. Like, do you plan on continuing your career um, in athletics? What are your your plans?
1: Mm, That's a loaded question. (laughs) You put me on the hot seat (laughs) here, man. Hey, (laughs) the only time I get you, man, I got to (laughs) do it.
2: (laughs) Ain't much fun when the bear get the (laughs) job, man.
1: You know, in all honesty, it's like, you know, I think last year, Indoor was was difficult. I had dealt with a few injuries that I never dealt with before. You know, up until last year, I had never missed a podium in the triple jump. Never missed a, p- a podium since freshman year of high school, man. Freshman year all the way up until last year. And so my senior year, my last indoor, it was like, it felt like everything was coming down, you know what I mean? And it was like, it was about to be over. And then it was over, you know what I mean? COVID came and our season was done. And so it gave me this period of time to really just sit back reflect on everything going on in my life you know I have a lot of other things going on you know what I mean I'm interning for the NBA things I mentioned on here you know what I mean a lot of connections I'm making to try to you know set myself up for after track and field I think now it's a matter of when is the timing of when track and field is over Um, but I think I told myself coming into this year um, you know whatever happens man I, I have one final year of track and field one final year of collegiate track and field anyway And so I think I'm looking at it as, like, I'm going to attack every day as if I'm trying to be a professional athlete. You know what I mean? And if at the end of the day, at the end of this season, when I'm good enough to do that, I'm going to speak it into existence. When I'm good enough to do that, my plan is to go on, hopefully get sponsored, and, you know, pursue professional track and field and try to compete with some of the best in the world. You know what I mean? This year, we'll hopefully have the Olympic trials and things like that. And I think I'm going to use a lot of it as a barometer for, like, hey, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm at. And you know, I wanna be realistic, you know what I mean? I have great dreams and aspirations, but I wanna be realistic with myself. I think I struggle with the balance of like, you know what I mean? When I'm done with this, I wanna pursue it, but I know how difficult it can be. If you don't get the sponsorship, you gotta get a job. You gotta try to practice, you know, after work and then you are traveling on weekends and it's really difficult. I've talked to a lot of people who have tried to do it that way and it's really difficult when you can't fully devote yourself to it and you've gotta find a way to live. Um, but I know I want to pursue it. I know I want to pursue it to, to, to answer your question. I dance around it like a politician, but to answer your question, man, I want to, I want to go pro. You know what I mean? I think I have what it takes to jump professionally and it's been slow. I think than you know, some other people's development, but you know, I, I feel like I have what it takes and that's the plan. And that's how I've attacked every day, you know, since coming out here to Kansas is that I, I'm trying to go pro. And so it's made me focus a little harder and I think it's made me better all around.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to squeeze that out of you right there. <laughs> that came out because we. Hey, I mean, I've seen it from when you was a high school kid, man. You know, what I'm saying I've been around pros. I had the opportunity being in LA, competing in college, and competing against some really good guys um, that were professional. I've seen it, and you've always had that in you, man. So I just wanted to squeeze that out of you <laughs> while I got you. <laughs> you know I mean?
1: Nah, I appreciate it. And, and saying I mean, same for me. I think that was one of the biggest things is like. Every step along the way, I've seen people like I've had people that were, I guess the the goal for me, right? I remember. I don't know if you remember the kids, CJ Alumbris. When I was, he was when I was in high school, man. He was like that dude in California. He jumped fifty feet. You know, everybody. Yeah,
0: yeah, I do remember. I
1: do. Yeah. Yep. And I and you know you know not to not to bash him or nothing, but I remember my freshman year of college. I remember seeing him at a meet, and I'm like, this was that dude. I need to get him. (laughs) <laughs> and I walked even I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I remember that night we was on the bus we was driving back from UCLA, which is the school he we went to and I remember, you know, what I mean, I actually got to meet him after that and talk to him and we became cool and everything but it was just like, you know, that saying working to your idols is your rivals and not that I idolized him or nothing but it kind of showed me that you know, the people that I'm looking up to I got what it takes to not only be as good as them but be better. And so that's, that's been important to me. And I've jumped against, you know, Omar Craddock and, you know, the, some of these other professionals. And I see them up close, and I'm like, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm right there. I, I got what it takes to get there. So, nah, it's been good,
2: man. Yeah. But the good thing, and here's the thing, and we, you and I talked about it, and Paula has, I'm sure, experienced it, is that transition. That transition from being an athlete to whatever else you're going to enter into. Uh, And just making sure that, you know, you're set up for that because that's, that could be a challenge that adrenaline and that preparation to go out and do something and you look up and it's no longer there. So that's the thing that I've always made sure I try to prepare you for because I know what it's like to prepare for something and then it's no longer you can do it and you look up and say what next. So um, the transition is, is this as critical as where you are right now.
1: You know what's funny about that though is, and I find this interesting because I find myself thinking about this like that, you've honestly prepared me so well for that transition that I ain't gonna lie, sometimes when practice is tough and I don't jump well or I'm I'm dying in a workout, I'm like, man, listen, I can go give me an NBA job and, and I can be done with all this. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like I got too many options, you know, then obviously I snap back and I'm like, no, remember why you're doing this, what you want to do it for, but that's always an interesting thought sometimes it does pop in my head like man you know what <laughs> i don't need this my man has two jobs <laughs> nah but I, um you know that's something i think about a lot and i appreciate it um but nah it, it does it does feel like i have options but i gotta create that sense of desperation in my mind of like oh this is this is do or die but to move on a little bit um i know we touched on you guys' influences and people that were big in your life and stuff like that. And just to give y'all a quick shout out, man, I've always found it remarkable to see young men who didn't grow up with a father become such great fathers. You know what I mean? From my dad to you, Paul, to many of the men I see around me, guys like James Lockhart, man, major shout out to James. Y'all know James, man. He came a long way, man. (laughs) James, if you're listening, man, we're proud of you. We're glad to to see you be such a great father and really just a man, you know, as he's working with the Braff youth, out there in Palm Springs, man. I think it was crazy when I went home this winter break to see him doing that work. And it was like, remember, I remember me and my dad, we were walking up and James was, you know, giving a kid a lecture about behaving. And we was like, well, that's a switch. <laughs> and, and so I just wanted to talk to you guys about what has it been like, you know, I've talked to my dad about it multiple times, obviously, but Paul, what's it been like, you know, going into fatherhood um, and dealing with all that, that entails?
0: yeah no man i mean uh dealing with you and fosayo <laughs> five in the morning i think that prepped me pretty i mean heads <laughs> bro man that helped a lot but to be honest man uh all jokes aside it's it's a it was it's a challenge i mean but just like anything it's like you know sometimes you you just you, you may not you may not be prepared for it there may not be a book out for it unnecessarily but I think if your heart is open and uh, I have a strong faith in God and, you know, you have faith, it all kind of works itself out. And that's kind of where I'm at right now with my fatherhood. I I know that I have a duty. I know God has blessed me with these children and I'm just kind of, you know, taking every day on as if it's a new day. You know what I'm saying? And just ensuring that I'm there for them, not only just physically, but emotionally, spiritually and and the like. So it's a challenge, man. Uh, It's a, it's a welcome challenge. I love it. You get what I'm saying? But, uh, definitely having, you know, a father figure around no helps a lot. So um, Mr. Strange, you probably could speak on it a little bit more in depth. But uh, it's, it's been a challenge, but I'm, I'm welcoming it and uh, I'm enjoying it. Man.
2: You know, it's, it's funny you said that. I was uh, asked that question last night when we was uh, at a friend's uh, whose birthday. So it was just a couple of the guys who were there. And that question came up said, do you think that not having a father around helped or hurt you? And I said, it, it was a little bit of both, you know, because it helped me to really inspire to be the father that I didn't have. But it was a lot of things I, I had to learn on the fly that I didn't know. And so I could have been. I think I could have been even much better had I been prepared and knew what fatherhood was. So um, for me, not having a father around inspired me and pushed me to want to be great a great father and, and always there for my children, but that lack of uh, male figure around, you know, kind of hurt because I, I had to learn how to be a man. I'm still at 50 learning how to be a man and learning things that I, I should have known or I learned, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So, uh, you know, I it, it stretched out my learning curve, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with where I'm at and, you know, uh, it's just a blessing to be able to have children that I have. They've all been good children, um, successful on their own right. And, uh, I just love being a father, you know, I love being a father and being able to contribute and pour into their lives. Uh, not only my children, but just other children in general, just to be able to share with them an experience or give them something that they can take along with them, uh, that will help them and, and benefit them down the road. So, yeah.
0: I, I, got a, I, I do have a question for both of y'all, though. I mean, I know a lot of experience. My mother was like my father for the most part. Um, there's no disrespect to my dad. Like, my dad came back in my life later on, and, you know, he passed away, um, cancer, RIP. Uh, so he came in the capacity that he could, right? Um, do y'all feel like it's a necessity to have a father figure in the household? I mean, my mother took on both roles, and it was very stressful for her. But, I mean, she didn't do too bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm doing fine. My brothers are doing fine. My sister's doing fine. Like, do y'all feel like it's a necessity, uh, explicitly in the black community, to have a father figure in the household?
2: I would say yes. That doesn't mean you can't raise a strong, uh, um, a successful young man, but it's like you're making an adaptation. So if I got a Porsche and then I put a, 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 another engine in it, it ain't quite the Porsche. It'll still run, but it ain't optimal. And so, to answer your question, it's possible, but I don't think it's the optimal. It I don't it don't optimize your your ability to be as best. Particularly if you have a, a sound role model that is a true father. You know, sometimes it can hurt having a father there that doing all the wrong things. So that could probably be as detrimental as them not being around. Um, but I think having that that real that 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 figure there. Um, optimizes your ability to become a better man and a better person overall. Yeah,
1: I think I agree with you in that it's optimal. But I think what I've seen a lot in my life, you know, obviously, I grew up with a father, I'm very happy about that. But from the people that I've seen around me, that weren't as fortunate, I think what I've seen is it works when you have what paul had and which is a village you know what i mean like he said he had a council of men you know he had his uncle quint tony his uncle john in riverside he had all the males that you know coach thomas which is somebody we definitely got to give a shout out to man coach thomas you the man and so i think it like i said i mean it's, it's not the same as having a father in the home and somebody that you, you build that actual relationship with but i do think that you to answer your question it's tough to say. It's not a necessity, but I, I would say you definitely can do very well without it if you if you have the other other tools in place. If you have the other people surrounding you to to help fill those holes and fill those gaps for you. Um, but but yeah, nah. I mean, that's coming from a kid who grew up with his dad, so I don't know for sure. But <laughs>
0: nah, yeah, no. Nah, your opinion matters, man. I, 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 the reason why I ask is because you know working at the Boys and Girls Club, I get a lot of kids, and it's like that kind of parenting is kind of being outsourced in a way. You know, what I'm saying they're looking for mentors like myself or someone like a Mr. Strange and it's it like kind of about a necessity they're outsourcing that because they don't have it at home right. and I'm seeing a lot of kids they're, they're succeeding you know what I'm saying they, they have a father figure that may not necessarily be their father um, and they're seeing it either as, as a coach or as a club director or just someone like Mr. Strange who just volunteered his time um, so I, I wanted to know like you know because I see kids succeeding without a father not saying that I necessarily think that it's not a necessity, but I see that. Like I see us in the yeah. community still figuring it out. We're still learning, so. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think of sometimes the impacts that we may not be aware of, you know, because that biological connection I think is, is real. Um, and I think there's, they're, like I said, not a necessity, but I think it, it really enhances uh, who you are and that confidence and that ability. Because I know for a while, um, it was hard for me to interact with men on a level where I felt like a man when I interacted with them. You know, I always felt like this little kid, but I started to realize well i'm I'm a man as well. So just having that confidence and the ability to know that I'm a man and what a man um, looks like and how a man conducts himself. so so that to me uh, was where I kind of struggled, even though I had the village of people around me is really. Really, how do I conduct myself as a man? What what truly uh, does a man do? And, and how does he handle himself? So. Mm. Why we on
1: fatherhood, Paul? I gotta ask you this one, man. Go ahead,
0: man.
1: I feel, like, I feel like every father has done this. I ain't, I ain't a father. but I've, Every father I know has. Uh-huh. Have you left any of your kids anywhere, man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you're on camera now, you're on camera. <laughs>
0: i ain't gonna cap though man like mom's mom's was gone she was doing some shopping one day you know know, mother was gone and i was like man i'm gonna let these because we live in an apartment right now we live in uh so uh there's like this nice green grass area up front and at my at that age you know what i mean i'm not going to expose their age because people won't be be killing me in the comments (laughs) at that age me and my little bro was going outside playing like you know what i'm saying so when She left. I was like, Hey, y'all go ahead and go outside. Man. <laughs> I, like, I ain't gonna be with y'all. Go ahead. Here's a football, here's a soccer ball. It was like, Okay, okay. But <laughs> they ran out the front, they was just out there playing. Like, and uh, wifey came home, I guess later on. I was uh, I was uh, at work, she sent me a text like, WTF. I was like, hey, <laughs> It'll snitch on me, man. That's all. <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I never left them anywhere, but uh, I definitely let them go ahead and do their thing on their own. Like, to be honest, like. I truly believe, and I'm not trying to make this a philosophical discussion here, but I feel like as a parent, you're just, you're trying to protect them and guide them so that they can then protect themselves and then kind of continue with something. No, just, we're trying to develop adults here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want them to feel like they need their mom and dad's validation Mm -hmm. and, and their mom and dad's eyes to do everything and anything. Mm-hmm. You know, albeit it may be a crazy way of going about it. Shout out to Stacey, my mama. But mm-hmm. hey, I feel like I'm doing just fine. <laughs> so I ain't never left them nowhere, but I definitely let them go ahead and do their own thing. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. Nah, that's cool, man. That sounds that's good, good stuff,
2: man. Hey, that's the old school way of raising them. <laughs> <laughs> Come back with a couple of knots on their head. They know, nah, we're not doing that tomorrow. <laughs> hey, tell them next time, don't be snitching on you, though, man. <laughs>
0: Dang. That's my
1: oldest son, he was like, Hey mom, was
0: outside by ourselves. We was yeah,
1: man, it's, okay. it's all good. Oh, man, the last question I have for you, man, and we just wanna I think something we can all talk about and end it on. And you we touched on mine a little bit, but aspirations and, and what we're doing now, man. I know you out there in Texas, like I said, the director of the Boys and Girls Club out there in Austin, Texas, and uh you're doing your music thing now what where do you see yourself in five years with your family and you know what you're trying to do
0: yeah man in five years i see myself uh i don't know man i'm like ai don't know uh i don't know if y'all know him hotel you know he's mm-hmm. a, i don't even know if i'm saying that the right way but just had multi multi-passion guy he was the first one to are you about to say something strange i don't know if he's about to. no say i was
2: just gonna it. say the, the world's first recorded multi-genius
0: yeah, I'm not saying I'm a multi-genius, but I have a lot of passions, right? So I see myself kind of diving into different passions and, and kind of being multifaceted in that aspect. I love music, I love social, uh, you know, giving back social services and whatnot. Um, so I see myself having my own nonprofit in some capacity, um, maybe in the tech world, because um, that's the next, that's the new frontier. And I want to make sure black and brown kids have the, the technologies and know how to use the technologies to uh, produce Versus consume, um, so I see myself um, in that light teaching youth, um, still producing music. I'm working with some local artists out here. Um, we got some songs we're about to drop. Um, so yeah, man, I'm just I'm very open. I want to be able to uh, be in my children's life and sure that they they're che- they're, ch- they're chasing after their dreams just just like I am. Um, but yeah, man, just kind of letting seeing what God has in store for me. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Good deal. Dad, I know you, hey, I know you, you you older than all of us, but you honestly are in a, in a, in a, where in five years, Malia be, be getting close to leaving the nest, man. You might be an empty nester finally soon.
2: Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to traveling. (laughs) Uh, And with this whole telecommuting and distance learning, uh, that might happen sooner than, than I thought. (laughs) So I really, I like traveling. I like seeing different places, being in different spaces. Um, My real passion is community economic development going in and seeing different communities cities what's working what's not working and putting the pieces of the puzzle together to make it reach its full potential so that the inhabitants of that community can realize their full potential and become the people that they were you know came to be came here to be and so those are the things that really excite me um looking to you know potentially make some moves in the in the near future uh so i'm just opening up my options my wife and I we're discussing different things and just looking at life and say you know where do we want to be we're getting to that point where in the next 10 years or so we'll be ready to retire and it's like what 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 do we want our rest of our lives to look like and in the meantime what do we want to do we don't have to wait until we're retired but we can begin to put things in motion to to create the life that we want moving forward so uh, I'm excited about the future in, in terms of just where we're going and just being old enough and at this point having enough money to kind of do the things I want to do it's always been either not having the money or the kids so having that where you know you kind of was I wouldn't say handcuffed but you you couldn't move around as much as I could had if I wasn't you know a father and so wanted to make sure that they had uh, you know stability and they weren't just bouncing around from place to place And um, now that I'm at the age where, you know, we're going to be empty nesters in a few years, you know, we're looking forward to being able to travel and do things that we we put off for a little while. So I'm excited about that.
1: Hey, Tia and Malia, if y'all listening, man, we just got described as the old ball and chain, it sounds like. So (laughs) y'all keep that with y'all, take that how y'all will, but nah, They they don't call y'all crumb snatchers for nothing. (laughs) Nah, man. I um. I mean, I've talked at great length about, you know, where I speed myself in five years and how I'm in a period of transition and things are going to be pretty crazy here for the next few years. Just who knows where I'll be. Um. So if you want to hear about that it's past episodes, but nah, man, I think this was a great conversation, man. I really enjoyed it. I think it's, 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 it... Paul does a good job of bridging that gap, that gap. You know what I mean? Obviously you, my dad. And so there's that, age in between and that you know that that middle part that I think Paul really grasped really well and I, I think we could do this again for sure man I, I think uh, we could have some more guided discussions on things that we're passionate about or that we find interesting. Um but but no I think this was good. Any any final remarks from you guys?
0: Uh I mean before I go man uh can you do the the facile for me real quick man? Can you just show, me, <laughs> show the crowd well, Sao si, we used to, <laughs> real quick, man, after every workout, Mr. Strange, you probably know this, man, but after every workout or every, every training, we would, we would do a core, like a core, like a, a cycle, uh-huh. you know, you got a strong core to jump, you know what I'm saying? And uh, one of the things we had to do was, you know, just, uh forgot what they call it, just work on the obliques, We just kind of twisting your body. Yeah. So, and Sao, si, oh, man, like he's really an agile, <laughs> cap, we would twist his body. It, his body would just, it would just start doing things <laughs> I ain't never seen before. But I don't know if want to give the, the, the crowd uh, a taste of that. Shout out Sal, man.
1: But, oh, man. And, uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just loud shrieks. Oh, oh. <laughs> The dude was going through it, man. And, and Faisal, if you're listening, man, he was always stronger than me. He could bench more, squat more. He was, you know, just more explosive than me. But I always had him in the core, man. I always had you in the core, man. And you can ask Coach Lewis about that. Uh, but no, nah, man, that's my, that's my brother, man. Shout out to him,
0: man. <laughs> no, no, man. I, y'all crew, man, I, honestly, man, I love the days, man. But I guess my closing segment, man, is, uh, oh, I never had no disappointments, right? I know one of the questions we was gonna talk about was disappointments. My biggest disappointment, I guess, uh, is uh, just seeing you, Ja, almost hit a 51-footer and then fall flat on your face in some sand, man. But to so be honest, man, like, it was a blessing to be a part of this, man. And uh, the, the, the content that y'all pushing out is not only edifying for me, but I think the community and the desert, but also the nation, man. So keep it up. I'm definitely open to uh, doing this again. And I appreciate y'all. Really do.
2: Well, cool, man. We definitely appreciate you. And uh, always a pleasure having a good, you know, in-depth conversation. I always walk away learning something. You know, going back, and let me look this up, man. Paul said something, something, something. You know, let me check that out. You know, it always takes me um, to where I can le- learn a little more and become a little more um, engaged and knowledgeable. What I would like you to do, since I know you're into music, if you have anyone listening that they're looking for a producer, some beats, uh, how, how would they get in contact with you uh, if they have some aspirations to, do, to work with you?
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you can find me on SoundCloud. It's Juga, J V G G A H with the underscore, um, or you can find me on Instagram, spelled same spelling. Um, you know, I'm just really into uh, you know just creating. Uh, my my mission, really, when it comes to producing music, is to uh, just inspire. You know what I mean? So uh, if y'all really into that, you know, go check my SoundCloud out. You know, I'm always open to work with somebody. And uh, yeah, no Ooh,
1: step. good step yeah I know we talked about Black History 365. You got a fact for us today, man?
2: yeah, we, we going we're going live 365 um, <laughs> black History all year round. Um, yeah. the The black History fact for the day is Allenworth, California. was the first black all township in the state of California and it was founded in 1908. So um, if I understand it correctly, it was also a, a community that Jack Johnson, the great um, boxer, Black Boxster heavyweight champion uh, lived at some times. So um, it's a historical area that's uh, near Bakersfield, California. So that's our Black History Fact for the week, Black History 365.
1: Yeah, we'll have to check that out. That's not too far from the crib, man. But to end today's episode, man, I I think one of the things that I've been sitting here thinking about is, it's funny because we have a chain of inspiration and I think it's important for our audience to understand you never know who's watching. You know what I mean? My dad probably never realized that Paul was looking up to him and he was admiring him from afar. And Paul never realized when he was out there jumping 47 feet and I was at the track meets just a little kid that, you know, I was thinking to myself, I want to do that one day. And, you know, here we are. You know what I mean? We've all inspired each other and we've become a great group of friends and we've learned from each other. And, you know what I mean? I'm excited to see where we all end up. So you never know who's watching always act as if someone is, and uh, take that with you and do with it what you will. We appreciate you guys for tuning in for today's episode. Hope you've tuned in for past episodes and future episodes as well. Y'all have a good one. All right, Peace.
0: peace. All right, that'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know,
2: peace.